They say you have three names. The one you inherit from your family. The one your parents gave you. And the one you make for yourself. So create the brand of you. Find the job you've always dreamed of and make it yours by going to Irish Jobs, Ireland's online recruitment platform. Take control of your career. Visit irishjobs.ie and move up to the next level you. Irish Jobs. Make a name for yourself. Whispering Street. And here is Betty Davis. Hello. Lorraine Winthrop and her husband, Gil, had been married for 11 years and their baby was born. The baby had been the answer to all of their prayers. Lorraine was the most contented woman in the state when she came home from the hospital, and Gil was the proudest man. He carried the basket with its blue quilted sacking lining and its precious contents as if he were carrying the hope of the world. <laughs> He's a sort of special darling, isn't he? <laughs> so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, then he takes after his mother. You know, I sort of hoping that he'd look a little bit like his ugly old dad. He doesn't look like anybody yet. He does, too. Looks like himself. Say, you know, he, he has a chest like an athlete, dear. When he's old enough, he'll play football. <laughs> he'll make the all-American team. I hope we'll be all through with wars by the time he's grown. Amen to that. Although, of course, if there were a war, he'd be a general before he came home. Poor little thing. Only six pounds and a half, and he's got to be a general. President of the United States will come next, or I miss my guess, oh, That goes without saying. <laughs> oh, see the way his lashes lie on his cheeks, Gil. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly long and thick. And his hands are all crumpled up like, like rose petals. If I tickle him a little bit, do you think he'd wake up? Well, then. Uh... Go on, try it, dear. <laughs> I wish he'd wake up, too. Oh, say, he has the bluest eyes. All babies are born with blue eyes. Huh? Sometimes they change color. Oh. Maybe he'll have brown eyes like you. Darling, darling, don't say a word. His lashes are beginning to flutter. <laughs> and complete joy. Joy so intense that it was unbelievable to a couple who had given up hope of having a child. Every morning, Gil was late getting to the office. Every evening, he hurried home so that he could be there in time to see Junior take his bottle. Two months of perfection of ecstasy. And then one morning, Lorraine waked and glanced at the clock and shook her dead-to-the-world husband. Gil! Gil! What's the matter? Oh, good heaven, Gil. It's 8.30. We've overslept. Oh, we had a big night. Oh, our anniversary. <laughs> Lucky we could get old Mrs. Trimble to babysit for her. Oh, I wouldn't dare leave him with some squeezed-into jeans teenager. What's happened to his lungs, anyway? I don't know. Normally, he has us up at six. But this morning, there hasn't been a peep out of him. Maybe he's getting to be the kind of a baby who sleeps until 9 o'clock every morning, bless him. Oh, we're the lucky ones. Oh, the very lucky ones. 
I'll go take a look at our son. Oh, well, wait, wait. Put on your slippers and your robe, dear. If you catch cold, you can give it to the baby. Oh, you used to be worried for fear I'd catch a cold. <laughs> now all you worry about is me giving it to the baby. You jealous? Dreadfully jealous. <laughs> oh, Gil, it's a good world. And I've had such a wonderful sleep and... Oh, he's so still, Gil. He looks like a little angel lying there. Darling. Wake up for Mother. Wake up. Gil, come here! Lorraine, what is it? You come here! Come here fast! Oh, Gil, Gil, something's happened! To the baby, something's happened! In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again, but first... Now that Social Security taxes are being deducted from service pay, military time back to 1951 can be credited toward both military and Social Security retirement. This changes the old law that generally prevented the crediting of service time to more than one of these retirement systems. Military service back to 1951 can be credited both ways, even though servicemen didn't begin paying for Social Security until January of 57. That means the serviceman who's been on duty since 51 gets six years of free Social Security credit. There's one requirement, however, for getting Social Security credit for active service time in this free period. You must have put in some active duty since January of 1957. Thanks to this free Social Security credit, servicemen will find it easier to meet the requirements of becoming insured under Social Security. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? Back to our story with Betty Davis. It was the end of laughter and delight for the Winthrops. The baby had died quietly in his sleep. The doctor explained it in medical language. Something had been wrong with a gland in the little throat. This happened once in a million cases. In five million cases. Dull and cheerless, unaware of her husband's arm around her, Lorraine went through the baby's tragic funeral. And then one afternoon, sometime later, Gil's boss stopped at his desk. Well, uh, Gil, how are things going at your house? Not so well, Mr. Pearson. Oh? No, I, I've been able to pull out of my grief and sorrow, at least to a certain extent, but Lorraine is still in shock. Uh, I see. Well, perhaps she needs medical attention. <laughs> she won't see a doctor. Tried to do something about it, but she refuses. It's been several months, hasn't it? Yes. Six months since the baby died. Oh, you, you just wouldn't know Lorraine if you saw her, Mr. Pearson. Well, I guess I'm luckier than she is. I meet people away from the house. I have my work to do, but... Lorraine still holds a little ghost in her arms and in her heart. Uh, look, Gil, I happen to have a couple of theater tickets for tonight, and I find that I'm unable to use them. They're for Shippehoy, a hit show... Why don't you ask Lorraine if she'll go to the theater with you? Maybe it would relax her. Oh, well, I'll ask her, Mr. Pearson, but if she won't go... Well, then, uh, give the tickets to some friend. I I do hope things straighten out for you before long, Gil. And for Lorraine. It's tough to be living in the past with a ghost. <laughs> 
little earlier than usual that evening and told Lorraine that his boss had given him a pair of theater tickets. But she sat staring straight ahead. I couldn't possibly go to the theater, Gil. But honey, it's a comedy. That would be too ghastly. Lorraine, listen to me. You need to laugh. You need to see lights to be in the midst of gaiety. I couldn't laugh, Gil. It'd be an impossibility. Lights and gaiety would tear me apart. I'd be thinking of that little quiet face. I think about Junior all the time, Lorraine. Whenever I see a baby, my heart turns over and almost stops beating. And believe me, I see plenty of them. Being wheeled down the streets in the city and in the mother's arms in the subway and... But, but there's nothing we can do, darling. Nothing at all. Nothing. There's no use dwelling in the past because it's, it's profitless. It's, it's unhealthy. When you talk like this, Gil, I feel as if I don't know you. Darling, you know how much I love you. I don't think about it anymore. You're loving me, I mean. I know you don't. That's another thing I want to talk to you about. The baby was was us, dear. It, it was our love made permanent in, in flesh and blood. Not permanent. Our baby's dead. And you think our love is dead, too? Oh, the rain, darling, you, you can't talk that way. I am talking that way. If we had another baby... Even if it were possible, I'd never feel safe. Think all the time that something was going to happen. Listen to me. The doctor said the glam thing occurs only once in five million cases. Well, the rain lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot. Dearest, we have the baby's things up in the attic packed away. You wouldn't need to make any preparations or anything. We need to say we could use our little son's thing for another baby. Not another baby. It would be our baby. Honey, listen. Junior wouldn't mind having a... A little brother or a sister using his things? Yes, I... I think somewhere up in heaven he'd be happy to know that. You said enough, Gil. I can't stand anymore. Please. I can't stand it. I can't. I can't. There, 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 there. Darling. Darling. Don't take me in your arms. Don't hold me so tight. But I must, dear. I must. Sweetheart, you haven't cried since that... Honey, it's good for you to cry like this. Go ahead. I'm just so glad you're able to cry. Don't you see? It's a release for you, dear. You you'll feel better now that you've cried. Lorraine had her cry out. When after a long while, the violence of her grief had turned into the choked sobbing of a child, Gil carried her to bed. She fell asleep in his arms. She was still in his arms when she waked in the morning. She didn't know that Gil had been making plans in the stillness of the night. But when they were seated opposite each other at the breakfast table... Lorraine, I feel as if our marriage has taken a new lease. Don't say on life. Well, I must. Look, darling, look, I have an idea. What is it, Gil? You know, I think we should sublet this house and move into the city for the rest of the winter. Why? Well, this commuting, it's learned hard on me. Never complained about it before. Oh, well, I'm getting older every day, you know. I'd save hours of time and untold energy if I could hop from my office right into my home. 
Where would you find a furnished apartment? Oh, well, now, look. One of the partners has been married recently. Now he's going to take his new wife abroad for an extended honeymoon. Well, I'm sure he'd sublet his place to me for the next three months. But, but how about this house? I'll tell you. We'll just turn the key in the lock. Then we'll come back here in the spring. You? Can we afford two places? Honey, listen. I happen to know that my Christmas bonus will be uh, unusually large. Oh, sure, sure, we can afford it. It's so full of memories everywhere I look. All right, Gil. We'll go to the city for three months. Oh, darling, you're doing me a great favor. I just can't thank you enough. And you know, and with different furniture and different faces... You think you're going to take me away from the memories of our baby? No, no, no. I'm not nothing. Believe me. Believe me, I'm not. He'll be with us there. Always. In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back. There are hundreds of children in Germany, as well as hundreds more in the United States, who believe that Sergeant Charles E. Davis was a year-round Santa Claus. The children's belief is well-founded, for Davis, a Tennessee-born orphan, became a sort of guardian angel for orphans when he spearheaded the organizing of the Hands Across the Ocean Committee, which provided assistance for the orphanages in West Germany. It all began when Davis, a military police veteran of over 30 years' service, was stationed near Pottsville, Pennsylvania, in 1952. He discovered a down-at-the-heels orphanage housing over a hundred children. A quick investigation convinced him that the institution needed help badly, and he decided to do something about it. So he hustled back to his MP company, enlisted the support of other soldiers, and began a building fund which was used to buy blankets, food, and toys for the children. Soon after helping put the Pennsylvania orphanage on its feet, Sergeant Davis was transferred to Germany, there he found children in even worse conditions than back home. Many of them still lived in the streets, dirty and destitute, because of overcrowded conditions in orphanages. The sergeant went right to work and organized a group of MPs to assist in improving conditions at the orphanages in towns near his base. They began by rounding up dozens of cots, boxes of clothes and blankets, and hundreds of colorful toys. Then Davis sent out appeals for help from many other sources. Soon, so many gifts were pouring in, that the Hands Across the Ocean Committee had to be formed to help Sergeant Davis and his assistants with their distribution. No wonder hundreds of unfortunate orphans still think of Sergeant Charles E. Davis as a year-round Santa Claus. As a result of his unselfish work, the sergeant has given us all a thought to remember. We are Americans. As we go, so goes America. <laughs> Back to our story with Betty Davis. So Lorraine and Gil Winthrop went to the city, and with only an apartment to manage, Lorraine had a great deal of time on her hands. After a couple of months, she told herself that she must be getting lazy. She wasn't doing enough work to make her feel so languid. She'd lie down afternoons and take a nap. The memories in the little house were still with her, but they weren't quite so oppressive. They were sweet ones. And then the three months were up, and Lorraine and Gil went back to the quiet town. And after another two months... You know, I, I feel strange these days. Oh, really, darling? Well, what is it? Well, I... 
I haven't wanted to tell you this, Gil, but I think I may have a tumor. I've been reading up in medical books. I've been so worried about how I tell you that I've scarcely thought of, of the past since I've been back. Well, I'm, I'm going to the doctor at 11 today, Gil. I, I've already made the appointment. You should have told me before, dearie. It just never occurred to me that anything could happen to you. Well, you say I should have told you before. I say I shouldn't have told you until after I'd seen the doctor. But we must share everything, darling. We mustn't have any secrets. Well, we haven't any now. You run along to your office, Gil. I'll call you after I've come home. Oh, the heck with the office. I'll take the day off and drive you to the doctor's. What? I sort of wish you would, Gil. Suddenly, I'm afraid. Suddenly, I want you to be close. Oh, dearest, the doctor will tell us that, that nothing's wrong. I, I'm sure of it. Are you? I'll tell you, we, we'll celebrate by going to the theater tonight. Huh? You're always talking about the theater. Gil, my appointment isn't for, for nearly two hours. I'm so full of jitters. If something happens to me... Not so many months ago, you wouldn't have minded having something happen to you. I don't know what it is, Gil, but all at once, I want to go on living. It, it's sort of an instinctive feeling. Well, honey, uh, tumors, they aren't so darn important. They, well, uh, tumors aren't much more important these days than, well, than tonsils or, or wisdom teeth. I hope you're right, Gil. I hope terribly that you're right. <laughs> Mr. Winthrop, it's a good thing your wife came to me today. Well, yes, she, she didn't even tell me that she was worried until a couple of hours ago, Doctor. <laughs> Women are very close-mouthed at times. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, I know. Well, Doctor, tell me, what have you discovered? I certainly will. Now, listen, she, she can enter the hospital at once, you know. I, I can take time away from the office. You see, I didn't take my regular vacation last you summer. You wait can... a minute. You're going too fast. But, darling, I want him to know... tell him, will you? Don't keep him in suspense. <laughs> Very well, but I thought you'd want to tell him. Uh, Mr. Winthrop, you are to be congratulated. What? I... I'm going to have a baby. I can't believe it. We, we waited 11 years for the first one. <laughs> Second babies are more easily acquired than first ones. You and your wife are a pair of idiots, Mr. Winthrop. <laughs> Why didn't you guess the truth? You're right, know. Doctor. We're idiots. I was afraid to tell Gil that I... But I'm not afraid any longer of, of anything... It's strange, Gil, but when the doctor told me I was relaxed and eager at the same time, I never felt that way before. It's all so new and wonderful. Yes, yes, darling, it's new and it's wonderful. Uh, I should suggest you take your wife home now, Mr. Winthrop. Huh? I don't have to tell you I have a full office. Oh. I have a full heart, Doctor. Yes, I know you have, Mrs. Winthrop, and I could not be happier. Uh, you'd better come back to me in a couple of weeks, and after that, every week. I'll keep close check on you in the few months we have left. The, in the, the, the few months? Mm -hmm. You mean it'll be as soon as that? Yes, Mr. Winthrop. This will be the shortest pregnancy on record. <laughs> now, 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 run along, both of you, and learn a few of the facts of life. It is high time that you did. <laughs> From tragedy to 
divine comedy. Gil didn't go to the office at all that day. And when evening came, he and Lorraine went to dinner and the theater. And when they reached home late, they went up to the attic that was filled with reminders of the little baby who'd gone on ahead. And suddenly Lorraine was in her husband's arms. But she wasn't crying this time. You were right, Gil. Somewhere up in heaven, he'll be glad he's going to have a new brother or sister. You're looking at his basket. Mm-hmm. His basket with its blue quilted lining. I remember when I brought Junior home from the hospital. I was so darn proud that day that I... We were both so proud. And we'll be proud again. Life doesn't stop, dear. Life goes on. I know. I'll take out that blue lining, Gil, and put in a pink one. Hey. You mean you think I that... have an idea, darling, that Junior will have a little sister. <laughs> I... I think I'm going to cry, Gil. Oh, no, 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 no. no wait. You mustn't cry now, Lorraine. Crying will be bad for you. Like... I can't help crying, and you mustn't try to stop me. <laughs> These tears are a different sort of tears. They're like spring rain. Life goes on. There's always the future. Despite every sort of tragedy, be it personal or universal, there are always new babies coming along. And there's always another springtime. One afternoon, when Gil Winthrop was sitting at his desk, Gwen Pearson, his boss, paused at his desk and asked him if he could use a pair of theater tickets. When Gil told him about the situation at home, Gwen said sympathetically that it was hard to live in the past with a ghost. Well, Gwen Pearson knew what he was talking about. He'd lived in the past with a ghost for a good many years. And now here again is Betty Davis. Yes, Quinn Pearson had been ghost-ridden. He dreamed of another woman, not only recurrently, but constantly, even though he had a charming and affectionate wife of his own. Well, you learn how Quinn faced this challenging problem when I bring you his story. Until then, this is Betty Davis. Saying goodbye from the Whispering Street. Today's program was written by Margaret E. Sangster. Featured in the cast were Mary Lansing, Bill Boucher, and Lou Merrill. Whispering Streets was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Coverly. Streets has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.